Let us pray. O God of peace, you brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep. By the blood of your eternal covenant, make us complete in everything good that we may do your will and work among us all that is well-pleasing in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Welcome to worship today. This is the fourth Sunday of Easter. We continue with Alleluia, Christ is risen. Alleluia. Please be seated for the reading of Holy Scripture. Today's first reading comes from the book of Acts at the ninth chapter. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At, the time, at that time, she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lydia was near Joppa, the disciples, who heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him with the request, please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside, and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and the widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for a time with a certain Simon, a tanner. This is the word of the Lord. Our psalm is Psalm number 23 and will be read responsibly. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. You restore my soul, O Lord, and guide me along right pathways for your namesake. You prepare a table bef before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup is running over. Today's second lesson comes from Revelation, the seventh chapter. After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and, all the, and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne of God and worshiped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. 
For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to the springs of the water of life and God will wipe away every tear from their eye. This is the word of the Lord. Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, And no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Be seated. Each year, right here in the heart of the Easter season, on the fourth Sunday of Easter, we hear a reading from a section of the 10th chapter of John's gospel. This is the chapter where our Lord identifies himself as the good shepherd. Like a good child of Jewish parents, Jesus learned the Hebrew scriptures as a baby and as a young man. And no doubt, Psalm 23 was as precious to him as it is to all of us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. We all know it. We've heard it spoken in the worship services. We hear it spoken in funerals. We pray it, we say it out loud and in silence. And in his ministry, Jesus imported this image of the good shepherd, of the shepherd, to himself and said to people, I am the good shepherd. Here I am, look at me, watch what I do. I was the pastor of the Lutheran Church of the Good Shepherd on the west side of Cleveland for uh, 18 years. And every year, this was our celebration Sunday. Great music, terrific liturgy. We welcomed people back. They knew it was our celebration. People who had been members and probably moved to North Carolina or somewhere. Came back to Cleveland. It was May. It was okay. You could do it then. Guest speakers, good food, a real celebration. It was our Sunday to remember what our name meant and how it was that the Good Shepherd enfolds us in the Good Shepherd's arms. But you don't have to be a member of a church called Good Shepherd to give thanks for this beautiful image of Jesus as Good Shepherd. And for us this year, this also falls on this Sunday that we call Mother's Day. 
where we celebrate and give thanks for our mothers and people who have provided motherly care for us. And those two images, Jesus says, good shepherd and mothering, are mirror images of the same thing. They teach us about each other. And so this is a preacher's dream come true, to have the scriptures say one thing and have an example of this from our everyday life help us illustrate what this means. And so today I'd like you to think about Jesus as good shepherd and mothers who have embodied for us this image of good shepherd or those who provided motherly care in one way or another. I'd like to have you think about this from two perspectives. First, from the perspective of the good shepherd. In this section of John chapter 10, we read that Jesus' critics are wondering, tell us, are you really the Messiah or not? They wanted to trap Jesus, as they generally did. You've heard it said many times in sermons and Bible classes that the people of Jesus' day were were looking for a different kind of Messiah, and Jesus wasn't living up to their expectations. He wasn't powerful. He wasn't demanding. He wasn't judgmental. He welcomed people. He included people. He held people close to him. He looked and found people who might otherwise be ignored by society and wanted them to be a part of his flock. There's an example of this from our lives, I think. So if we get on a plane, going on a business trip perhaps, and watch a young mom walk down the aisle with a crying baby in her arms after you've gotten to your seat, and you think to yourself, I'll bet she's going to sit right behind me. <laughs> and sure enough, she does. And the baby keeps crying. And we think to ourselves, how can this be? I've got work to do. She should make sure that that baby's quiet until, until we get up and we walk back to the washroom and we look down and we see this mom holding that baby close, speaking words of comfort to that baby, maybe even singing to that baby, trying to make it so that that baby will stop crying and will know the love of his or her mother. That's kind of what Jesus was talking about. Those people that wanted to know, are you the Messiah, were kind of like, I get if those noises get in my ear and I wonder, why doesn't she make that baby quiet? And then I look and see, no, she is. That's exactly what she does as a mother, is care for that child. And she's the example of the Good Shepherd who, when we cry, when the air pressure in the cabin makes our ears pop in one way or another, our Good Shepherd holds us close and loves us with a love beyond anything we could possibly know, kind of like the love of a mother. Jesus gives us four characteristics of what it means for him to be the Good Shepherd. The first is, Jesus says, the sheep know my voice. The sheep know my voice. There's nobody in the world that says the word Marcus 
quite like my 96-year-old mother. I can pick up the phone, and when I hear Marcus, I know who it is. I've heard that voice for seven decades. And many people say that word to me, but nobody says it quite the way she does. I know her voice. And I'll bet your mother says your name in a way that you know too. Well, this is what Jesus said about himself as the good shepherd. The sheep know my voice. They know it's me. They know that I'm the one that's calling them into the flock. They are hearing from me. There are a lot of voices out there. A lot of voices we hear and we think, this must be the Lord. Things like the Lord helps those who help themselves or a stitch in time saves nine or a rolling stone gathers no moss. That might be good wisdom, but those aren't the voices of the Lord. The voices of the Lord are the voice we hear as recorded to us in what he says in Holy Scripture. And that's why it's important for us to be familiar with that voice and hear the voice that welcomes the weary and the troubled, the outcast and the stranger, the one who looks out for those that might otherwise be ignored. That's, that's the voice of the Lord. And so the sheep know the Lord's voice because we hear it week in and week out when the scriptures are open to us. Second, we know that the good shepherd knows us. That's what Jesus says in this text. The good shepherd knows us. Don't take that as a threat. Take it as a word of comfort. In a time when too many people try to cover up for who they are, ignore the secrets of their lives, the good shepherd knows us like a mother knows her children, like nobody else knows her child. Sometimes in a person's life, whether it's when they're a child or an adolescent or an adult, when there's a turn in a person's life and they say something they've been thinking about for a long time about themselves, more often than not, a mother will say, I always knew that. I always knew that. Because a mother knows her children like no one else. And so it is with a good shepherd who knows us, our shortcomings, our faults, our worries, our secrets, like no one else does. And it doesn't discount us. Third, Jesus says, the good shepherd gives eternal life. What a gift! This might be a day when you exchange a few gifts, maybe some flowers, maybe a bracelet or a necklace or some other important piece in your life that you give to a, a mother or your spouse. But Jesus gives us a gift beyond anything we can have that's material. He gives us the gift of eternity, kind of like the gift of a mother's love and people who love us like a mother. This is a gift that isn't just something we hang on to, but something we treasure. Nothing more important to us than another person's love. And Jesus knows nothing is more important to any human being than the love of God. And so it is with a good shepherd. We receive the gift of eternal life. 
And finally, nobody can snatch them out of my hand, Jesus said. Once they're mine, they're mine. (laughs) That's good news. Once they're mine, they're mine. One of the great joys of being a pastor is when people come home. People who maybe have moved around for a while and never found a church they could connect to. Maybe they left for a variety of reasons and wandered away. Maybe life circumstances took people in a different path. I remember a nurse I once met when I was a patient in a hospital. And she asked me what I did, and I told her I was a Lutheran pastor. And she said, well, I'm a Lutheran too. And I said, well, what church did you go to? She said, I haven't gone to a church in a long time. But you know what's interesting is when somebody comes home, whether it's after a year or 10 years or 20 years, more often than not, it's because they heard the voice of the Good Shepherd again. And they know that no matter how far they wandered, nobody could take them out of the Good Shepherd's hand. And so when we hear that voice, whether it's through song, the liturgy, or the person you sit next to, or a teacher, or a pastor, We know that this is where we're welcome because no one can snatch them out of my hand, Jesus says. And then there's the flock. We need to think about this image from the perspective of the flock. In that second lesson you read about the flock being a number more great than could possibly be counted. I always marvel at the fact that oftentimes in the church, some might be more interested in figuring out who's out rather than Who's in? Jesus was never interested in who's out. He was always interested in bringing people in, making people a part of God's gracious and kind reign and rule. That text said, the ones that are gathered around the throne of the Lamb in heaven are a multitude too great to count. Not a couple thousand, not only those that are fortunate but those who have been blessed by God and by the Good Shepherd. And you and I are a part of that flock. I was reminded about what that flock looks like this last week when I was at the airport. And uh, as I was volunteering there as a chaplain, someone called me over and had a question. And this was a man who had a strong Latino uh, accent to his voice. And he wanted, he said, we're waiting for some people who are coming here from Atlanta. Where would they be? Where, where would their baggage be? And so I introduced myself and we got to talking. I found out he was a pastor of a small Spanish-speaking congregation here in Charlotte. And he, with six or seven other people in their congregation, were there to welcome some guests they were receiving from another congregation in Africa. Somehow or other, they'd established this connection. And he told me that they'd flown from Africa to Europe, to Atlanta, to Charlotte, and they were there to welcome them. And I pointed to where the escalator was, and since they were coming in on Delta, I actually knew where their baggage likely would be. And then I waited with them, and when I saw these folks, their guests, come down the escalator, these Christians from Africa, women in these gorgeous, brightly colored dresses, and matching headpieces, and the men ready to be greeted by the folks, speaking a language that I didn't understand, and then speaking Spanish 
to their hosts, and their hosts trying to speak to them in their language. And I looked at myself in my black shirt and looked at other people in their business clothes, and I say, we don't look anything like them. But this is the way it'll look in heaven. This is the way the flock looks, speaking a variety of languages and a variety of colors, ready to gather around the throne of Christ. And you and I are a part of that flock. And that's the good news. When I pointed to that escalator, I, I actually couldn't wait. And then I thought to myself, they've flown from Africa to Europe to Atlanta to Charlotte. They look great. I'd be a mess if I'd flown that far. They look like they're ready to be hosted by these gracious friends. But that's the way the flock looks. Persons of every continent, of every language, from every nation, in every age. And you and I are a part of that. And so today we give thanks for moms. We give thanks for the Good Shepherd. We look out for those who are a part of the flock and give thanks for them. This is the gospel that our Good Shepherd holds us close to him like a mother holds her precious children close to her. And he will not let us go because we're his forever. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.
When summer turned and we had grown, her passing clouds were so dim. I kissed her then as though she lay, and now I know my mother's face. And so does she sleep sound and It must have been my mother's hair.